It's coming out of the coming out of the I don't know, room closet. Well, I was gonna say something like long house or something, but yeah. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Welcome back to the New Uppsala podcast. We have all three Gothar of the New Uppsala, myself, Rain Raven, previously known as Robert. I took up heathen name uh, between first episode and now. We got Sigverda Ufar, and then we got White Wolf. Next episode, we're, next couple episodes, we're going to try to have a uh, new individual that can ask us questions, you know, be there for the Gothar. And when it comes to Midsummer, we have a surprise that we're all cooking up and we can't re- can't wait to distribute to each and every one of you we love that the love for the podcast has been going outstanding and we are super excited that we're being more consistent when it comes to recordings and topics of discussion and um yeah, there's a lot going on behind the scenes. Today's discussion is coming out of the broom closet, broom closet and acknowledging that you're pagan. How was that intro? Like a star. It was beautiful. It's coming out of the coming out of the Christian confessional booth and take becoming heathen, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> It's a yeah. father for I have stand or I don't fucking care anymore. <laughs> and then walk. <laughs> since my last confession, and I'm fairly certain I'm going to your hell, so it's fine. <laughs> okay, because hell is actually a beautiful place in Norway, so that's a fun Yeah, it's crazy. It's weird. Um, that's solid intro. I liked it. I appreciate it. Been working um, on my YouTube voice. I've been a little right. rusty. Well, yeah. I did okay. just have a kid, so. <laughs> yeah, I just had a child. Yeah, I'm sure you're pretty tired for having a kid. I'm sure, you know, the missus is just fine. He's fine. You oh, are yeah. tired. He, <laughs> he literally took like a two-hour nap, and then we had to force him awake so he could eat. Oh, shit. Yeah. That sounds like a good life. See, within yeah. the, the first two minutes, we already said our first curse word. You said it in the intro. Did I? Yes. You dropped the F-bomb in the intro. I don't did th- he? I don't think yes. I did. I don't know if he did. I think that's he just going to get cut through editing. I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, it never happened. He controlled it. <laughs> hey, if you're listening, we had this whole discussion before this about how the podcast got labeled as explicit. And I was like, why is it explicit? What, what's that for? And it turns out it's me most of the time. And then he drops an F-bomb in the intro. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's my fault. Okay. Yeah. Remember the F- F-bomb intro? I do. Fine, the new name it. of the episode, the F-bomb intro. Like, apparently that happened. <laughs> so... Our title more and more insane here shortly, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Coming out of the broom closet... You're a witch, Harry. Yeah. You're a Harry witch. I mean, I wasn't Harry when I came out of the closet, but I'm Harry now. This is treading in dangerous territory right now. I'm talking about the beard. Oh, okay. <laughs> you came out of the closet as a bear? I'm confused. Be careful. 
That's another topic. <laughs> My wife's coworkers call me a bear. Think be like, I, I think I'd probably be like an otter, if anything. So, like, you're fine. <laughs> no, so I... Little discussion about me. Um, I found the path when I was in basic training for the military and I went to an atheist service cause I had game news and I wanted a sense of normalcy and, you know, back to my previous life to keep myself sane through it. And there was this little ritual of like 50 denominations that wasn't recognized by DOD or they were recognized, but they didn't have a service. Uh, one of them was Norse. An individual cheered and showed uh, that he was proud of being Norse. And I ended up talking to him afterwards. And within that day, I was like, all right, well, the light bulb just went off. This clicks and I'm pagan now. Just full pagan. Well, <laughs> like previously, like what's the term like agnostic where you believe there's a power but you don't know what it is right yeah i'm so happy for people that find paganism in like this great way versus the people that find paganism through trauma and like the issues that ensue in life like i'm so happy for the people who find it and they're like this is interesting let me open a book and they're not like and they come out kicking and screaming and it's like holy sh yeah. But yeah, no. I'm happy for you. That that's that was the pleasant way to find paganism for which is the normal way, honestly. Yeah, and like so I wrote a met uh, a letter to my wife and I was like, Hey, so uh I didn't plan on this happening, but I found a religion and I believe in the Norse gods and my wife she uh she was like, Okay, just wait for this phase to pass. And then she saw me buy my first book and then she was, cause I don't, I'm not an avid reader and I'm still kind of not, I only read Norse books or chaplaincy books now that can hold my attention span and, uh, pictures. Yeah. So I just, I read those and my wife was like, Oh, so you're actually serious about this. And I'm like, yeah. And she's still waiting to this day, waiting for the phase to end, even though I already took my oath. And I was like, well, that's not going to happen anymore. I mean, she met the two of us when you took your oath. So, <laughs> And she was there acknowledging like, um, the mysticism behind it. Yeah. Yeah, she was. She was very open to it, which was awesome. Yeah. Oh man. No. So, uh, my girlfriend at the time when I was, getting and everything as well. That's how she knew I was being serious. Same, almost not the same, but, um, you know, I was talking to her about it kind of passively way, way back in the day. And I remember I saw a book online. I, I, I want to say it was the poetic edda, but I don't think it actually was, I think it was like the Volsung saga, something to that effect. And I was just kind of like, Oh, and I just bought off Amazon or something like that. And I remember I came home once and it was like sitting at the table. I'm like, Oh, sweet. My package is here. I opened it up and I'm like, Hey, so you know, I've been like, kind of talking about like this Nordic and Pantheon and so-and-so and she goes, yeah, I'm like, I'm kind of getting a little more serious about it. Like I'm just so you know, like I'm kind of advancing in this, in this mindset of 
the possibility of this thing. She goes, no shit. I've never seen you read a book in your life. You order a book. And I'm like, oh, well, okay. That's apparently a dead giveaway that I'm serious about something. So if I ever order like an origami book, I'm going to be like master origami. Like apparently a book is different. Me being serious for me, just kind of checking it out. <laughs> yeah. Cause like it's when it comes to that, you're basically spending money to dedicate a set of time or you know use it as a resource guide like i have so many books that i like i have that i haven't read purely because i have them and i can open it up for a quick reference or use like as a secondary reference be like oh let's talk about thor well this guy says thor is this this guy says thor is this and just do it like that um the only like, like your heathen with her encyclopedia, like, hey, literally, <laughs> time you use one specific answer and then it goes away. Like, uh, what is it? Your the Norse myth and tales book you have, and I decided to buy yeah, because you sold it so well. I haven't read it. I opened it up to look at halls or something like that, or Valkyries, and that was about it. It was a 20. Four dollar book, something like that, and I opened it once so far, and I've had it for like two months. I am so proud of you guys for like going out and buying books because my first book about Norse paganism I stole from my freaking high school. <laughs> it's got a barcode on it, okay? Like I stole it outright, and I was like, "This is mine now, and anyone can fight me for it." And I kept it, and I still have it. So, what's your? Uh, I wonder what your late delivery or like return cost is going to be I'm and now that they know if any from if anybody from my high school ever watches this and they know because I had a few teachers that still teach there amazingly holy hell there now uh, now I just insulted them this is going well um, <laughs> I will pay for the book if that's what needs to be done I'll, I'll replace it if you need to that's fine no they'll just go to the IRS for collections Probably. I'll send a, a bond agent and be like, so you're getting served today for a $20 book. Because it was that high school mythology class, and that's how I found paganism through, well, I was in the class, and then trauma happened, and I found paganism. But um, what's crazy is, is I offered that teacher after I took my oath, and I was like, hey, I'm an oath-sworn goathy now for Norse, Norse heathenry and paganism and stuff. And I'd, I'd happily come down to one of your classes and teach a little bit about what we do and just have like that cool extra person show up day. And I never got a response. So maybe if we get popular, I'll get that response now. Those are fun. I've done those. I've spoken at a few uh, colleges, not community colleges. I almost said community colleges. I don't know why. They're actual universities. Um, as a guest speaker, I have friends that are um, professors. That's how smart I am compared to them. I can think of Work for um, their professors, uh, one's archaeology and uh, social, anthropo uh, social anthropology. And I've spoken at a few different colleges, um, just kind of like the speaker, exactly what you said. They're really fun because, like, I went in there with like no books or nothing. I just like walked in, and I'm like, hey guys, let's go. And they just start hitting you with questions. And it's really cool to see like what they've been studying and how they ask the questions. And you can definitely tell like the pure nature of the conversation as opposed to just like the academic curiosity which in turn is becoming like what we're attempting to discuss in this in this uh, session is is their genuine interest and their kind of flow of energy and someone that 
may have been interested in before, and now this is like a coincidental and convenient outlet to start building their own heathenry off of a guest speaker. Um, so I had two or three people that were, you know, everyone was there and asked questions as far as his students, but there were like two or three that were like, hey, this and this. And it wasn't even about the subject they were studying or the subject matter, um, but they had a genuine interest, and you could tell they looked into it before. Um, of course, that was in Utah, and it's very, I mean, you know, shunned upon to be anything LDS. Um, so because of that, they were very staunch. They were very, like, hidden, kind of curious, but embarrassed by the curiosity. And so it was kind of cool to be a, a guest speaker and be able to, like, kind of bring them out of their own little cocoon. And like, no, this is fine. Like, let's discuss it. Like, you said this. You're not wrong, but this is what I learned as well. So, yeah. See, I want to do it at a high school, though. Like, genuinely, I want to walk into a high school as, like, a guest speaker for a mythology class and just be like, yeah, ask me whatever you want about North Paganism. Let's go. And I want the off-the-wall high school-age questions that are just absolute insanity unleashed that just, like, rock my world personally because they're probably going to ask questions that I never asked. So Whereas college students, they're so, like, they have this image of being more refined and stuff. I want the raw base like human instinctual questions that high schoolers ask i think it'd be so much fun to just sit down in that classroom and be like hit me what do you got and they're like did loki actually have sex with a horse and i can be like yeah he got pounded dude <laughs> From behind. Like, technically yep. the, the, the horse had sex with him i know <laughs> that's what i said like loki got pounded from behind as a horse so yeah yes the answer is yes but I want those kind of interactions just to make a bunch of high school kids go, holy hell, this is like, this is a real culture that people actually believe. Because here in Utah, I'm still in Utah. Um, here in Utah, it is so taboo to be anything but LDS or Mormon. And it's hilarious to me because I've been pagan for nine, just over 10 years now, something like that, where I'm like, wow. They really have no idea that other cultures and other religions exist and exist among them. That's the best part. The whole among us concept that they get. They're like, that's not real. That's a joke. And I'm like, dude, I'm right here. What do you... You can ask me whatever you want. I know Hellenistic pagans that worship Greek and Roman gods. I know Egyptian pagans. Like, personally, by name. And it's like, bring it, dude. Whatever you got, I promise... I can find somebody. There's Buddhist temples in Utah. There's Hindu and Muslim mosques in Utah. It's crazy that they're just like totally oblivious to it existing. Wow. Yeah. No. Super there cool. are two uh, monasteries in, Utah, in northern Utah, at least. Yeah. Uh, one's in Salt Lake City, one is in, I want to say Kaysville, it's Harris, Harrisville. Harrisville. Yeah. They're great places. They're super cool to walk around in, too. Like, the people there are great. They're fun to talk to, and shit gets wild. Um, but, yeah, I mean, especially, so you mentioned you're, you're still in Utah, uh, where the culture is definitely LDS or Christian overall. Um, obviously, you were, I don't know if you were born and raised there. I know you're there now. You moved there a while back. But mm -hmm. where you were or where you have been, I guess, what was, what was the, I guess, the social stand? point on and on like what what would you feel as a social pressure or whatever else when you were realizing that you were paying or heathen and no one else around you kind of 
knew yet and or knew what it was. Um, <laughs> so I've always lived in Utah for most of my life. I lived down in Arizona for a little while. Um, but in all honesty, during that point of high school, obviously everybody's rebellious as hell in high school. And it was like, oh yeah, I'm pagan now. And everybody was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, totally. And then I stuck with it. And that's when I started to get berated about stuff. I, I'm going to out some, out some things about Utah now. It's not nearly as a glorious a place as people say it is. There's a lot of sinning that happens here in the state. And it's hilarious to me that they still think it's like this utopia. It's not. You people think it's glorious? That is awful. Yes. People think Utah is like this Mormon, especially in the LDS culture. They think Utah is like this utopian place where everything is fine and everybody's LDS and there's no alcohol or drug use and there's no gangs. And it's like, bro. What? Have you been to Salt Lake? No. I mean, I I was there for the Samhain Festival. I know. And yeah, that was, I already got a little taste. Um, but yeah, when I was first starting through my path, nobody really took it seriously. Um, and it was hard to stick to it because of that social pressure. It was, I got berated for it. I genuinely did. I had some religious leaders at that point in time that were very, very staunch about what I said and how I said it. Um, I was not a good kid by any means. Will never claim to be. I was kind to many people, but I was never a good kid, per se. So I got berated for it by religious leaders. I got shunned out of friend groups that I was in. I left a lot of things behind that I thought were super important to me at the time. And it, it was rough. It genuinely was. It was hard to do. But I found a lot of strength in knowing that I wasn't alone that there were other people in this state. Maybe I couldn't contact them. Maybe there was no way for me to get a hold of them, but I knew I wasn't alone. And in the LDS culture, there's things that they talk about, like the, wow, what is the priesthood? There you go. They talk about the priesthood a lot. And this, it's generally a magical power that men can carry if they're anointed and blah, 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 and super cool. But I never felt that to the same extent that I did when I would go on a hike and talk to my gods and communicate in that way and just be. Um, and a lot of pressure got lifted when I realized, now this is a tricky one, that when I personally found that sin is a human construct of things, it doesn't really exist. There's nothing, which is hard to say. And it's hard to articulate what I mean by that. That was a big one for me. And when I realized that, I started to fall more and more in love with the culture because you're judged on your character, not the things you've done. And that was huge. Um, but yeah, no, I, de- I definitely got berated for stuff. I got pushed down a lot. But as I slowly grew into who I became by the time I was senior year in high school, because that must have been like my junior, sophomore, junior year that I found paganism. By my senior year in high school, I was having outright debates in public spaces with religious leaders from the LDS church. And in my mind, I won. They would probably say something different. 
But in my mind, I was winning because I had answers to things that they didn't. And I could answer my own questions without having to refer to anything or refer to them. And I found truths that never were taught to me. Well, even within their scripture and their books. So it was, it was rough. It, it was hard to stick to it. But slowly that comfort in my, I don't want to say faith, but my convictions and what I believed, um, it was a lot easier to do. And now it's second nature, and I don't even have to defend anything anymore. Uh, whether that's the strength of character or just the way that I communicate now, I don't have to defend myself. I have to instruct and teach and educate now, which is a totally different thing. And especially with the DOD the way that it is, and I've worked alongside the DOD for a while now, but with their chapel course, um, their chaplain core and all that, I've got a chance to sit down with a few of them. I sat down with a devout Catholic man that's a chaplain for the military. And we had a very on-point conversation about a lot of things that we believe that other people just didn't know. And it was a blast. It was genuinely a blast to sit there and go back and forth and be like, well, yeah, the, we talked about the Great Flood. And I was like, yeah, we have a story that somewhat relates to that as well. And we use that oftentimes as our explanation for the Great Flood that has been proved by science to have happened. And we explained things and understood things at a different level. But yeah, no, it's, it was rough at first. It was rough coming out of that closet and saying, yeah, I'm a pagan for the first time, but now it's second nature. Yeah. I'm, I was very similar, you know, when, back when I was in the military and I was in South Korea, I talked to a couple Catholics more, uh, there was like two Catholics and then like five president out there. Um, and they're like, they were just blown away with all the knowledge and the sincerity behind it. Uh, but when I first came out, um, and started like publicly saying that I was pagan, it was when I was at tech school to be security forces and my roommate um he saw that i was like i was watching youtube videos and everything and we would have topics of discussion uh and then they were like oh so this guy's a viking because back back in those days everyone was you know if you're a norse pagan you know you watched vikings and you're like tilval and all that uh which you know previous episode we talked all about that and it hit harder when i went to my first base out of uh missouri where i would be on shift and i would like be reading books and um for like i couldn't read books i couldn't bring books because it was frowned upon other than religious material and i had to talk to well my supervisor was like, hey, I need to talk to you for a second because he found my book in my bag because we did bag drags so we wouldn't bring contraband into work and everything. So it was very much like jail, honestly. Um, And he's like, hey, so you can't have this. You need to put it in your car. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's, just, it's religious material. And he's, and he's like, no, it's not. I'm like, yes, it is. It's talking about Norse paganism which I am, and if you talk to anyone, like, on the, on the, uh, 
on my flight, they're, they all reference me as the Viking. Like, I'm not, I'm not closed off. I'm like, yeah, I'm a Norse pagan. I believe in the Norse gods, you know, people to Valhalla and all that stuff. And everyone knew about it. And then he was like, so is the DOD recognized? And I was like, yeah, heathenry is. So is Azthru. So is pagan. So yes, it's DOD recognized. Can you go to the chaplain core to like get a memorandum? I'm like, okay, but I'm taking it to work with me. I'm not going to. Uh, leave it in my car because uh, then you're going to be then you got to tell every Christian or whatever you can't have your Bible or your Book of Mormon on you and that would be a whole thing so yeah I went to the chaplain and I was like I talked to the religious airman I was like hey so can I talk to a chaplain about like a memorandum for religious material and there was one right there and he was like you don't need one but i can write you an email or i could like do like a written note and it was like i'll sign in everything but there's no memorandum that needs to get done because it's it's religious material if you believe in it then it's religious shout out to military chaplains big time because they are some of the most respectful open-minded people i've ever met when it comes to religious beliefs yeah like i've sat down with a hey there's an lds chaplain and i sat down with him and i was like yeah i've got these problems and he was like cool i can teach you what i do and how to do it in my faith but i can't really tell you how to do it in yours but we can talk about it and figure something out and i was like okay so shout out to military chaplains because they are and that's that's one of the reasons why like i joined this path was for the devotion and the caring that most chaplains uh, have. And um, when they're purely going around and talking with everyone, it's they call it as community uh, pastoring, where you're just being with the community, you're showing your presence. And most of the time that's enough to be with them and help them during hard times is just be there with them. And well, back on track. Uh, so yeah, everyone recognized me on flight as the Viking because I had patches and then I had a book and then I went to a different flight because of COVID and then one of the techs, the E6s, it's like, hey, you can't have that. And I'm like, yes, I can talk to my flight chief. And he went and talked to the flight chief and she's like, oh yeah, he's a, he's a pagan. That's religious material. And he, he came back and she was like, I'm sorry. And I'm like, all right, you're just educating yourself. I'm the odd person. And unfortunately, because I'm taboo, I constantly get hit with this. It's part of the package and you know, it sucks, but yeah, being taboo and being out of the norm, you have to overcome this, that a lot of people don't know about your path and it's your job to educate to the best of your ability. No. And I, I really do love that. Um, just even that last bit of, you know, you are being the author now. Now a lot of religions or whatever else have this bravado or this aura where they 
they walk in they're like why don't you know what I am? it's basically like american in every other country it's like why don't you speak english and you're like you're not even in america um so it's this idea of us being the odd man out it's you know recognizing that look i'm going to do these things and you have to to a certain degree understand that other people are going to be watching curious maybe you know judging in a negative fashion but if you're adapting to kind of your situation or your surroundings without sacrificing your own beliefs, like that's kind of the concept, and then bring more to it than if you were just outright yelling, "No, I'm a pagan. Fuck you. You don't get to tell me what to do. You're a Christian. Like you go on the offense, you're gonna look like an asshole, and most people are gonna start not walking around. Um, exactly what you said. You. Know, you they didn't have to apologize. It was nice they did, but you're like, no, you're learning. You know, this is different for a lot of people. Um, a big part of dealing with pressures and dealing with societal norms is recognizing that maybe you aren't the societal norm. That's not saying there's con that you need to conform to fit in. It's just saying you need to start representing what you want it to be treated as. So if you're going to church with your family right like an lds church or a christian church with your family um how are you representing the gods your culture your people are you just talking shit and pulling out all these loopholes in the bible or whatever else or are you genuinely having a conversation with people like oh man see when i grew up or what i've been learning it was this and this and like having a conversation as opposed to soapboxing or acting like a martyr just for walking into a situation that really ultimately you know full well is going to happen you know if you walk into you know anything that's very even my family like i know walking into my family farm i will be metaphorically because whatever because i hate if i said it crucified for my beliefs ironically um but <laughs> uh it happens you know i know going in there it's going to be a tough sell i'm not trying i'm not trying to do a thing i'm just doing me i happen to have whisk a flask of whiskey in my boots they don't drink. I have it in my boots for a reason. I get a Coke, I pour out my flask, and it goes back in my boot. They don't like that. And it's my, you know, it's basically me being like, screw you, I can do whatever I want. I'm like, all right, you don't have to like it. You know what that means? You don't have any whiskey. Like, not a big deal. Um, but recognizing that you're the automatic out. I do it every, every gathering of my, my uh, family. I'm always always growing up like the black wolf of some kind like i you know went to church with them growing up did all my things did what they told me to do i hated every second of it but i did it family um and it made it almost made sense to them when i was like yeah i'm not you know this and then I was like, oh, shit, you're not that like you've never been that but we've just been wearing the mask of you know conformity until we take it off and we start becoming ourselves um, so it's kind of interesting um something that uh obviously the pressure um, it's kind of what I want to get into as well is the emotional and physical pressure, also like the the spiritual pressure you feel, especially new to it, especially if you're like new to it and ambitious, not just curious, but you're like, I want to know, I want to practice. Um, I've had a few um, uh, heathens that have reached out to me and said, hey, you know, they're really strong in the path. They're doing really well. They're still new to it, but they're doing all these things. And they said, hey, I went and stayed like the weekend at my parents' house and they're super Christian, but, and I felt this immense pressure. They like, I felt like I was going blind. I felt like I was getting like buried under weight, under weight. And I was like, that's because that's 
their belief system is holding that house, right? It's like you walk into one of our homes. Like it's it's the the spirits, if you want to call it that, that fills your home. And I even told them like that could have been their God, their spirit, their Jesus, whatever, literally trying to expel you from their home because it's recognizing something that it doesn't like. Um, and they're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense to a certain degree. Like this, you know, uh, Christian member every everywhere. Um, but I was like, hey, just don't like take it as an affront. You're gonna feel pressure, and they felt like physical pressure. Like when they close their eyes, their eyes felt heavy. Their bodies were hurt, like they were burdened by it. And I'm like, this is just you stepping into a realm that doesn't want you there, but you're there for the people, not for the spirit. So you need to either bunk outside or figure it out. And after a few days, they were able to come to terms with it, kind of adapt to their personality trait. And it was very much like to, it was based on the near war when they finally had a peace treaty. Like, they swapped prisoners, but they did have to live symbiotically to a certain degree, kind of the same thing. You know, they were at this spiritual pressure, this spiritual crisis of faith on both sides, on overly aggressive, one overly aggressive, these two come together. And at a certain point, you go, okay, like, we have to make this work because the people here love each other and they want to be part of their lives. So where's our middle ground? Do we just not talk about it? Do we talk about it entirely and vent it out? Or do we do certain things? And um, so I remember the message. They were just like, I couldn't, I couldn't take it. I couldn't sleep. I was freaking out. I felt like it was trying to suffocate me. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. You were in a very Christian household. And they're like, holy crap. One thing I want to bring up with that is it goes both ways. So my in-laws are very heavily Christian. Very heavily Christian. And I love them to death. But I've noticed that they feel uncomfortable in our house. And I know it's probably because I have statues and offering bowls laid out around my house. And I have an altar set up. And there's, there's definitely a pagan feeling to our home. And I've noticed that they get slightly uncomfortable in our home for any long, extended period of time. And what I've ended up doing, and my wife doesn't know this, I'm outing myself right now is occasionally I will make an offering to the housewives, which is what we call those spirits, if you will. And I'll say, this is for you. I understand that there will be contention at some minor level with this. They may not believe what we believe, but I'm giving you this offering in order to broker this piece with the housewives as well. It is my responsibility to appease the housewives of my home to a point where that understanding can be made. And I've noticed after I started doing that, that that issue has slowly diminished and it's no longer as big of an issue, which is awesome. But you've got to keep in mind that goes both ways. Um, LDS missionaries, they're great. I love them to death. I think they're hilarious. I think they're doing what they feel is right. And it's awesome. But we've had, I had a LDS missionary knock on my door one time. And I was in a very bad mood. I was definitely a little drunk. And I opened the door and I'm shirtless and I'm, I've got tattoos and stuff. And he was like, hi, someone from the local area said that you might be interested in hearing the message of the gospel from the Mormon church. And I was like, hmm. Okay. Okay. So I looked at him and I go, I'm going to ask you one question. If you get it right. 
I'll let you into my home. We can have a constructive conversation and I'm prepared for that. And he was like, yeah, by all means, ask the question. And, and he was obviously very ill prepared for this because it was not something that he was ever taught. And I was like, what's the name of your God? And I watched the color drain from this kid's face. I didn't deny his God. He, I was wearing a hammer. I had all my rings on that you guys have seen in the past in these videos. Definitely not Christian by any sense. And I just watched the color drain from his face. And I was like, listen, I'm not mad. And I went and grabbed him some water bottles. And I was like, I know you've been outside all day. I know how this culture works. I get it. So I handed him water bottles. And I was like, the second you learn the name of your God, come back. And I would love to have these conversations with you so that we can both educate each other and learn. But at this moment in time, I don't think you're prepared to enter a pagan home. And he just like, I watched the color kind of return to his face. And he was like, I've never thought that our God had a name other than God. And I was like, he does. It's in your Bible. And this kid was like, holy hell, I've been pushed. Like, I was gentle. I was kind. I was... I wasn't mean to a guest. I was just like, I don't think you want to be here right now, bud. Because I'm already buzzed. I'm in fucking goatee mode off in the middle of nowhere. They pulled me out of a meditation. And I was like, mm, buddy, hold on. Before we dive into whatever you're trying to teach me, and I obliterate it because of the mood I was in, pump the brakes. And I never heard from him again. Unfortunately, I would love to have that conversation with him if I ever see him, which I probably won't. But. It happens both ways, that in invitation to the home and that spiritual pressure, especially when you're going to someone else's home, it exists and it goes both ways. They'll feel it in your home, you'll feel it in theirs, and that's not a bad thing. Like White Wolf was saying, there's, there's ways that we can adapt and work together and find a middle ground. But it can be work. And unfortunately, a lot of the time with a lot of different religions mindsets, that's not their goal. They're not trying to work with you. They're trying to convert you. Whereas our culture is very much so, or at least I've seen our culture very much so be on the side of let's work together. Let's make it comfortable for both of us so we can both. So, yeah, no, that's that's kind of what I alluded to with that spiritual pressure. I felt that a lot because I was still forced to go to church which I don't begrudge my parents for, I learned. But it was, it's there and it goes both ways. Keep that in mind, always. It goes both directions. Uh, shout out to the fact that this is being recorded on the day of Remembrance for Guthrow. Uh, oh, yeah. Some people that, yeah, reached out to about this. Uh, I'll just kind of be a little bit more specific about it because I have it here in my phone because it's off that. Um, uh, Guthrow? G-U-T-H-R-O-T-H, -H, uh, was an upland minor king. Uh, he had the audacity to speak, to speak out against the opposing policies of Olaf Tryggvason, um, who at the time killed people that weren't converting to Christianity, um, for exercising like, his right to what he deserved to worship or what he felt he could worship. Gustav was captured, and his tongue was cut out. Obviously, he died eventually, but whatever. So today, being the day of remembrance of speaking out against your own religion, this isn't just ours, obviously, this is every religion around the world, um, but this, today's kind of topic is kind of awesome because some, you know, Uthroth, which is day of his remembrance today, was, had his tongue cut out for just saying, no, you like, you know, stop killing people for believing this, you did too at one point in time, or your family did, and it made people 
So that's awesome. Little snippet. You brought up both of you brought up something like uh, the land whites, land vitier, um, or the house whites. My bad. But White Wolf said something that piqued my interest that I want to talk about. What would be the Christian version of a house white? For me, I want to say it's an angel. And here's why. Because if you bring in the big G God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, whether they're three entities or one entity, yes, they have divine power and all that. It's purely possible, but in my head, an angel makes more sense. Like a, like a household angel, a, a, a family angel. That makes more sense than having one or all three of the deities. So you're almost describing like a, almost like a patron god to a lot of religions of the house or whatever else. Uh, which makes sense. I think like, yeah, but more along the lines of like a heritage protector. I think the term you're looking for is guardian angel. Yeah. That I thing. I know, I thought we were avoiding saying it. Um, so growing up the way I did, uh, my family, very still very religious in their own belief, um, we had the Holy Ghost. So there's God, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost. That's the, the Trinity or whatever you want to call it. Now, the other two were mainly used for all sorts of other blessings and reasons, whatever else. The Holy Ghost is what filled the household, filled the family, filled the emptiness, whatever else was the Holy Ghost which was never really described exactly what it is. It's kind of like the love entity of God, which is kind of, you know, whatever. But um, in that sense, that's what I was always taught growing up in the, the Christian household I grew up in was the Holy Ghost. And, you know, not a patron, but not an individual, not a guardian angel. They very much use it as a blanket statement. Uh, like the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. That was their entity. So that was, that's what I would compare it to. I agree. That's uh, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, however you want to say it. Um, I think they just say Holy Ghost to make kids understand what a spirit is. Honestly. Yeah. Spooky. I like that one. I'm going to use that one of these days. That's religious Casper. Don't worry about it. He's friendly. It's fine. Um, but yeah, I agree. That, that would fit most of it. Um, individual. The idea of a guardian angel is mostly Catholic from my understanding. Um, they're the ones that founded that idea of having this guardian angel constantly looking over your shoulder. Uh, most of the other Christian faiths, from my understanding, this is all from my understanding, from what I remember from all those days in Sunday school, um, other culture, other Christian religions believe in the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, which is absurd to me, thinking that there's only one that would be there when they venerate their ancestors just as much as we do with patron saints and anything else. And they hold that in such a high honor of, oh yeah, my distant great, 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 whatever uncle was Saint Judas, the something, something. It's like, okay. Cool, so you worship your ancestors too. 
I said that one time and it fucking spiraled so hard. I was like, okay, my bad, my bad. Just caught, comment. Um, but, but yeah, no, it, I would say it was a Holy Spirit. And like my education on the Abrahamic face, uh, I only went to church when I stayed with my grandparents and that was maybe three times a year. And they made us go to a Mormon school and then, or Mormon church and then, you know, Sunday school afterwards. And then we went and got ice cream. And then I got to the point where I was getting tired and I didn't want to go to my grandparents because I didn't want to go to church. And then that's when my, uh, my dad and my stepmom had the conversation with them and be like, if they don't want to go to church, they don't have to go to church. And then I stopped going to church and it was probably like when I was eight and then, you know, I'm 20 turning 26 this year. And yeah, I haven't been to uh, church since. And for like what I remember about the Holy ghost, it's the conscience. And that's why I thought love the like guardian angel would be more appropriate. Like, the Holy Ghost would be the the voice in the back of your head being like, don't do that. You know, that's wrong. That's what I was always. That's how they described the Holy Ghost to me back then. It's a little Jimmy Cricket. Yeah, but that was also 20 years ago. <laughs> My family was the opposite. I was like, I don't know if I believe in God. And they threw Bibles at me until I couldn't breathe. So that's pretty fun. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's that's interesting. Um, I would I'd, again just hit on that. Uh, I would say the Holy Ghost for that. Um, we've kind of talked about it a few different ways. All of us have said it was in, in honestly different uh, things. I wrote down kind of my four thoughts before we started doing this. Um, one of the, the so my big thing on this was the pressure you you'll feel in every aspect. We kind of talked about spiritual. We kind of talked about physical kind of these concepts on you're becoming a heathen or you're realizing you're a heathen more better uh, or better. Um, you're waking up, you're realizing what's going on in life, what's connecting to you, everything with it. Um, one of the things I wrote down is physical and emotional pressure. Now this is, and I, what I really wrote down, which is, I didn't even talk about, but Ray Raven and Sigurd Oflater both did. I said emotional and physical pressure from friends and family, ridicule from colleagues, cousins, family, and overall society in certain areas and demographics. Um, and almost the stories you guys have all said have that exact same impact, whether it's family related of people feel uncomfortable, whether it's those trying to take books away from you because you they don't understand it. Like these are all pressure points to everybody that society is rejecting them. And naturally, as a human instinct or a survival instinct, you want to adapt to a certain degree. So you may not be like, you know, you're right, screw that, but you may be giving up certain things. Like if someone would have stopped Rainer and said, that's not religious material, we need to take it from you. Now he could still believe it is, but if he goes, oh, you're right, just to make sure there's no form or whatever else, there's no form, then he's giving up something to it. Now that's not saying, you know, that's the hill he's going to die because I want to read a book on a plane, but it's definitely a starting point or a pebble that you know, makes a ripple effect on what he allows to affect him in a certain way. Um, so a lot of people, especially, especially young heathens, um, feeling pressure on all of these things, um, their their sense, their movement, and depending on who they're with, is how they act. Um, if they're with their families, they may not be as he 
but we understand oh you're it's your family it's almost the point where they know you and so you're worried that they're going to tell you you're wrong because they know you so well so they're trying to disprove what you believe through their history with you and no one has more history than your family but these are the pressure points that you're going to feel um the biggest thing you can take away from that is how not if but when it happens are you prepared for that um are you are you able to not combat that but basically take that inspire or maybe counter argument with them um for example when i was much much younger and feeling you know salty all the time um my mother was like hey we're gonna have uh, him give the prayer like full Christian household. Now I say that like my farmhouse, the table, it looks like a long house when the table's set up, like 32 plus people and two parents. Like it's crazy. Um, so literally it's like this mead hall of Christians. And then just like me with like whiskey and Coke. And she goes, you know, we're going to have him say the prayer today. Trying to, so she's very nice. Like she tries to bring me back to the Christian belief all the time because that's her calling in life or whatever. Uh, but she does it very subtle. She's not like, go read the Bible. She's like, hey, let's pray. Like she's very like subtle but very cute about it. My mother, bless her heart. Um, and so I was like, hey, okay. So I stood up. I'm like, hey, I'll tell you what. I'll do the prayer, but you won't like who I pray to. And she immediately was like, nope, cut it, sit down, shut up. I was like, okay. And that was the compromise. Like, I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm going to play into the bit. I'll, I'll, I'll do what you ask, but I'm going to do it my way. And generally, when you get a soapbox that they give you, and you're like, okay, let's go. They quickly take it back and realize that you're not fucking around. Um, which isn't all the case, you know, like your parents might beat the shit out of you if you do the same thing. Like, honest to God, Bible Belt parents, and you think you're heathen? Brace yourself. You're going to feel it. Um, but it's it's a part of it. It's a part of the journey. It's a part of the venture. Odin, if he's stabbed himself three times by a speed dad, you might be able to take a tongue lash and a belt from your dad. Like, figure it out. But it's all about your resolve and your growth. Damn. You just called out everybody for being a bitch. All right. Um, mostly the battle belt parents are bitches. Not all of them are, <laughs> but the ones that are like, you can't be you. Like, oh, fuck you. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, I've had similar experiences with Christian households and Christian parents. My grandparents are still heavily LDS, like heavily LDS. And my grandma, most people want to know what the word of wisdom is. Um, why will we get a fucking chuckle out of it? Um, she got mad at me one day because I had my coffee in one of the little like stainless steel thermo cups, whatever. And I was drinking coffee, and she goes, "That's a sin." And I was like, "Grandma, according to what?" And she's like, "The word of wisdom: you can't have hot drinks." And I was like, mm. "I kind of sat there for a second. I thought about it and took another sip out of my coffee just because I was a spiteful little ass." And I was like. Grandma, do you drink hot chocolate? She was like, yeah. Why wouldn't I drink hot chocolate? And I was like, well, it's a hot drink, so... And she she lost it. She, like, walked out of the room, stormed out of the room. My grandpa just kind of chuckled at it. Like, he was like, oh, got him. And it was great, but... Yeah, I've had similar things. Not quite to the point of them asking me to say a prayer. Nobody does that. Uh, 
Nobody asks me to pray anymore. Just preparing your mind right now for when to do because it's like it's like you literally get a soapbox and you're like, oh, here we go. I've been waiting 20 years for this box. So if I was kind enough to be like, I'm not going to do what you want. And they were like, take it away. I was just like, hell yeah. I was like rattling <laughs> shit off. <laughs> I was courteous enough to my, courteous enough to my family because I was in their home to be like, don't give me the mic. Don't give me the mic. Um, I think the only thing that I have that relates to that, and maybe a, a decent way to circumvent that situation, which is unfortunate for me because I feel like I lose connection with my family a little bit. But um, this last year at Thanksgiving, they were like, we're going to say a prayer and blah, blah, blah. And they started doing their thing. And I took me and my family, my wife and my kids, and we walked out of the room. And it sent a very clear message to everybody that noticed. I have a very large extended family, but those that noticed, they actually came up and asked me about it later. And I was like, I'm not Christian. And they were like, okay. I was like, so I didn't feel comfortable being there for that. And I didn't want to paint that situation for you guys by my anxiety and putting my energy into that room. So I left. And a lot of my uncles, they were super cool about it. They're like, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, you do you, but like, it's it's family prayer time and i was like you yeah, know listen and then i was like do you want me to make an offering plate i'll go bury it in the back 40 i'll do it i'm fine with making an offering to my gods during this time if you want this reciprocity of religious freedom to go around and they were like no no it's okay and i was like okay then just let me walk out and be me so yeah that that might be a, another way to do that is just to be like i'm gonna step out for you and just come back in as soon as it's done and be with your family by all means. But that may be a way to circumvent that for anybody that's listening. Obviously white wolf's going to do what white wolf fucking does. <laughs> and again, it's asked, but yeah. But and, yeah. uh, mine's kind of similar. Like my grandparents, the ones that, you know, if we stayed with them, we had to go to church. They still do their evening prayer and everything. And, um, they're like, all right, we're going to bow our heads and I just stay right there. And like, I continuously do what I'm doing. Like nothing's happening. I'm not participating at all. And, you know, I've had family members be like, so you didn't bow your head. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't worship your God. And unless you want me to, you know, do what I want to do and you, I make you be a part of it. You know, there's, you know, there's give and take and, you know, very similar like that. And my, my wife's grandparents and like her extended family are still do their evening prayer at all their, uh, you know, hold hands and everything. And I just go in the back of the room and, you know, I don't hold hands with anyone. I just do whatever I'm doing. Um, go for a smoke break or something like that. <laughs> and I come back when, people are serving up food and I wait till everyone's done and then I get my plate. But that we're like talking about this point that I want to ask unless white wolf has something else. I was going to bring my grandparents. I, they, they didn't grow up. 
my grandparents kind of the opposite of yours. My parents were the way your grandparents were. Uh, I grew up in a, I mean, so I partially raised in like a double wide trailer watching football on Sunday with my food on a um, shit. I can't think right now. Uh, a tray or whatever yeah. else. That tray, right? Um, my grandparents were not heavily religious in any sense that I knew of. Um, later in their life, like 70s, 80s, they, they converted to um, Christianity and LDS. I think that was mostly because their, most of their kids were. But even most of my aunts and uncles on my father's side, very different religions, like all over the place. Not like just Christian, like all over the place. Um, so I grew up in a basically every Sunday, double white player watching football, just talking mad shit um, and all that stuff. And it kind of came to the same thing. Like there was the word of wisdom with some families. There was certain rules with other families. They had coffee and they didn't have coffee, whatever else. Um, and I noticed that, like, so with the word of wisdom, it has a lot of different things. Caffeinated beverages, hot beverages, kind of referring to certain things, not just anything hot. Um, coffee was absolutely a no-no for a lot of the families, like mine in particular. My grandparents, that's what they lived on. Um, but at the same time, like, we had a soda fridge. Just a fridge. Like, yeah, so a fridge in the garage, just soda, basically. And I'm like, oh, that's a lot of caffeine for yeah. not a caffeinated family. Dude, I love that one because my father-in-law, bless his heart, um, he refuses to drink coffee in any form, but he will chug Mountain Dew like it's fucking water. And I was like, dude, what you mm-hmm. Where's the Yeah, so it is it's family-oriented, and that's all I wanted to add was, like, you guys both talk to your grandparents, and I'm like, my, no, my mother's side, my grandmother is still alive, which... And she's served, I think, like 32 missions, like full missions. Um, she is never in the United States. She spends most of her time with our family over in Germany and Switzerland. Uh, but I haven't seen her in a long time. And I know she's got like this 98-year-old woman's twisted ass arm, but I just saw a picture of her like literally jumping off of a boat in the Bahamas to swim with stingrays. And I'm like, what? Are you so very different content? But she, her, that side of the family is very, very Christian, very in in Utah, Molly Mormon. It's very strict Mormon family. My dad's side, we literally had to like make a rule of where we watch the Super Bowl because if our team lost, it doesn't matter how new the TV was, we took it out back and shot with shotguns until it was nothing. So if you had a really nice new TV, you want to show up with family, you better be damn sure that team was going to win that year because it was going to die. So very different families. <laughs> but yeah, no, I thought, I thought the grandparents part was interesting because, yeah, grandparents had a huge bit, which I think I, I love that. I love that like, our, the lineage comes into us. Mm-hmm. They're members of our communities. They're the elders of our families. They have to come into it. They're the knowledge base that our parents were taught by and that we're taught by, so they have to come into it. Yeah. Anyways, go ahead, Robert. What or Brian Raven? Uh, so, my question, and I see the 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 baby heathens or baby pagans. They're like in high school, and good on them for finding like uh, their path early on in their life. Um, but I see this question getting rose, and I want to you know, bring it up to it for a topic of discussion. If you are still in the closet and, but you worship your gods and you're living in like the Bible thumb, 
area of the United States. Um, if anyone's not from the United States, it's the southeast corner of the United States. So like Florida, Alabama, South Carolina, North Carolina, Kentucky, all around there. Just Google a picture. Yep. It's so much here. Don't make sense. <laughs> uh, so how would you guys cope while having to be in the closet and still feel like you're worshiping your gods? I mean, I can't really ask this question because I didn't grow up like that, you know, um, but you guys you guys have insider knowledge that I think the listeners would love to hear is how you coped while being a Norse pagan in a heavenly Christian household, but still worshiping the gods to your fullest ability. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because this is something I kind of want to propose too. So it's cool you brought it up. Um, I didn't think the answer. I just thought the question, um, but, um, you know, I, I have I have a small answer. I have my guy, my goofy answer, my personal answer, and I'll give Molly a book. Um, really, truly, honestly, like uh, it was it was hard for me to grow up and not believe my family believed it. Now I knew I didn't believe in it, but I couldn't show that all the time. I had to play the role, had to play the part, everything with this. And I really wish that my super outwardly gay brother was here to be like, "Here's what you do," but he didn't. So, because uh, this is like literally the same conversation. Um, but for me, it, it didn't come across condescending. It's not going to sound the way it should. And it's not something I really want to promote, but it's what I did. Um, basically, I kept my fucking heathen head down and I did my damn shit. Like, I played the parts, I played the roles, I did my thing. I didn't do certain things, mind you, um, but I did most of what was asked of me. Now, in my private time, my own mind, whatever else, it was almost, it wasn't a good thing to do because it's, it's something that suppresses you, um, but it also helped me build myself. Like, it built, it built a stronger connection intimately with me and the gods because I couldn't express it out loud, so I had to create my own, my own ceremonies, my own rituals, my own practices because I couldn't have books that said, of worshiping the old gods like they beat me to death and so i had to kind of find my own thing so now i want to reiterate that i didn't have the same resources we have now when i was growing up which makes me sound a billion but for some people which can't fathom one my father worked for a cellular company that was called bell um telephone or some shit and then he worked for US West Wireless and then Quest. Um, so I remember he was on the forefront of technology with phones, right? This is how we were growing up. I had pagers when I was in school. Uh, you can respond through pagers. You got a phone, you got a pager, you had to call your dad from wherever you could, and they'd say, get the fuck home. Um, and I remember the day he came home and said, hey, you know, you're, we eventually got cell phones and like little Nokia bricks and whatever else. And then they're like, hey, I can send you a message, which is like a pager. Uh, back in the day, text messaging didn't exist. Um, they would send it from a computer to your phone, but you couldn't respond from your phone to the computer, right? So your whoever got onto a computer, a, basically AOL message, your cell phone number, and you could not respond. And I remember he came home one day and he goes, hey, I can send you a message and you can respond from your phone. And I was like, no. And we did it as a family in the front 
boom, and we all text each other. It was like the first time it ever came out. So that's what I dealt with when I was on my heathen path. So I didn't really have Google. There was Ask Jeeves. That was fun. Um, but resources. So I really did. I kept my head down. Uh, my part, you know, I, to my mind, I justified it as don't sacrifice what could be by letting it all out and again butchered by people that are prepared to snuff the flame. Like, like nurture my own candle before I take that into a fucking hurricane that they're gonna whip up at it. So it's not a good thing. I'm not gonna say it's the most healthy approach um, because nowadays there's so many things we can do, and I'll get into what you should do as opposed to what I did do. Um, but I played that part, man. I, you know, I did my shit. Um, I felt like I did my own spiritual time. And eventually when I was able to do my own thing, it became almost more beautiful because I was not just starting. Like by the time I got to a like-minded individual that was like me, I had a very intimate connection with the gods. Um, I, I had my own rituals that I created that I made up that worked, that didn't work, whatever else. And I explored my own path all on my own because I didn't have a choice. Um, and it was just, it's, it's kind of different. So, um, that's what I did. It's what you can do. I don't recommend it, but in not a great healthy household. It's the, it's a self-preservation tactic of like, I'm going to internalize my beliefs, but I'm going to play and not great, but still can come into some sort of, it helps. Um, otherwise now for those that are in those tough times, those tough areas, whatever else. Um, a lot of people are fortunate to have internet access. They're fortunate to have like-minded individuals nearby. Um, even the military, any uh, chaplain, as we've discussed, super open. Don't think they're one denomination. They don't give a fuck. They'll talk about everything under the sun. So or above it or whatever you want to call. So as a clarification, to be a chaplain within the military or like a hospital chaplain, prison chaplain, anything like that, there's a requirement of you have to be open-minded. And I just wanted to say that you literally, you have to be open-minded that everyone believes something and it might not be what you believe in, but it's not any less uh, fake. And that's ahead, that's a, even as both are like, we have to be open to the conversation. We don't have to be open to the belief system, but open to the conversation. Um, that's how it all starts is just conversations. You don't have to go in there preaching, you know, baptize and all that crap. Just talk. Uh, now that could be anywhere from having a sit down conversation with the parents and saying, Hey, look, love you both. I'm in this part of my life where I'm venturing out and they'll assume just like Rain Raven's wife at time was like, it's a phase. It'll pass. But what if it fucking doesn't? Like, what if it's what you follow? And there's always that chance. You might be on board with it. They might hold you for it, whatever else. That's their prerogative. Um, what I would recommend nowadays is obviously trying to have an open conversation with the family. Obviously, it's wildly uncomfortable. I didn't, if someone in junior, if I was in junior high and someone had been like, go talk to your parents about your beliefs, I'd be like, go fuck yourself. How's that sound? Um, so, yeah, outside of that, I'd say reach out to a local community or a community that's even larger than your local. If anything, that might be a little better. Um, try to reach out to like-minded individuals, not in a physical sense because, again, stranger danger. Um, but at the same time, like, research, find who does what. Find more podcasts. Find more websites. Like, really try and tap into the the 
not as of the culture because you can do that internally but the society that you have now with the like-minded individuals what works for you, what doesn't because there's tons of them out there even within paganism overall whether it's a saw true uh whether it's druidic wiccan whatever else every one of them has groups that work really well with your mindset and don't work really well. That doesn't make anybody wrong or right, because if you disagree with them, to them, you're wrong. So you can't say they're wrong or you're right, because to you, to them, it's the opposite. Um, I would just say, keep doing what you're doing. Try your best to find time in your life, even if it's alone, even if it's in the shower. Like, I do shower meditations all the time. Um, use those moments where you have just you or just someone you trust and practice what you want to excel in. You can't master something if you don't practice it. Keep practicing. Keep moving forward with it. Try to find your own niche. And by the time you get to have the opportunity to walk on your own two feet to spread out, you'll have not the basis, but you'll and so much more than starting from the ground up. So don't stop what you're doing, but use the technology and the resources you have, because not everybody had them, and you can get so much more better footing on the good, the bad, or whatever else, and be more prepared for when you can finally come out of your shell openly and be that person. But that's what I have to say, but that's a lot to say, so... Yeah, uh, remind me what the question was again, because holy hell. <laughs> Literally, that was no, like, that was eight no. minutes. But, so the question is, if you're like in high school or something like that, you're pagan and you want to still practice the way you believe and build a relationship with the gods, the deities that you worship, that you worship but you're parents or your guardians are really tough and you know saying no you can't basically like everyone that says no or like white wolf's parents essentially like what would you how would you how did you combat that when you were growing up and then what would be your advice to baby heathens today oh shit very loaded uh, question. It is. I came back with, I got beat with a book, so it's not great. You can say whatever. <laughs> I don't think I can. There's a reason my name is Sigma Deer Wolfire, okay? That's not no. I can't just say whatever I want in this moment. Because <laughs> my initial reaction is fuck them. You're back in high school. You're going to school every day. You're coming home to your parents, the pressure, family, dinner, whatever you want to call it. There are many people that don't even know what that is. Um, but in those opportunities, like family prayer, and you know, you you can't leave the room. Like, do you hold hands, and you know, you don't say "am" or uh, "amen," um, or do you like not bow your head because it's you know you're bowing down to the the Christian God, it's like. like Stuff like that. It's like the original. It's like the original heathen escape room. Like, how do you get out? Okay. Or how do you combat um, the, you know, your parents are forcing you to go to church? Like, how do you? Hold on. Yeah. I have stories on that. But um, 
So with the situation you brought up with like prayer and stuff like that, not wanting to say amen or not bow to the Christian God. Don't. Um, and I'll say don't as in don't follow what your family's doing. Because I understand that that can put a lot of strain and a lot of stress on family relations and stuff. What I ended up doing, and I'm outing myself again on this call, whoop-de-doo. Um, when my parents would do that, and they would say, well, we're going to pray, and it's family prayer time, blah, 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 whatever. I had a mantra that I would say in my mind while they were praying. And I came up with it on my own, and it was, Odin, give me wisdom, and Thor, give me strength. Brig, give me guidance. And uh, there was a few other ones that I listed in there, and I would say it over and over and over again while they're praying. So I wasn't bowing to the Christian God in my mind. I was bowing to keeping my family whole and being that strong person that could stand apart but stand together at the same time. I was a pillar in the household, but I was a different color than rest, is the best way to think. Um, so that was one thing that I did. And I also spent a lot of time on my own. Luckily, my older siblings are all at least eight years older than me. So most of them were moved out of the house by the time I hit this point. Um, but I was kind of an only child for a while there. Nobody else was in the home. My closest sibling is literally eight years older than me. So she was already moved out and done and had a kid by the time I hit this point in my life. Um, but Man, that's rough. It's bringing back a lot of memories that I didn't realize that I had suppressed for a while. That I hid a lot of things from a lot of people. And the idea is that we're trying to reach out to those that are doing bad currently. They're working in their progression of suppression. So, like, yeah. Um, again, why, well, you said something about Google not being around, and I was like, damn, dude, I remember Cha-Cha. Like, that was my Google. You would text the Cha-Cha number and ask it a question? Dude, I was like, holy hell, that was forever ago. Does mm-hmm. it still work? Test it? I don't know. I want to test it. I'm going to test it to see if Cha-Cha still works, because if it does, that's beautiful. <laughs> so something that passively that I really like that I actually wrote down is... Um, it, it could be a tactic for those that are growing right now. It's something that I actually might try and do when I go visit my family. Um, is instead of doing something or leave, sit down and pray, maybe use that time to look eternal and meditate or attempt to meditate during their prayer. You're staying quiet, keeping your head down, perhaps. Maybe you're in a certain stance, whatever else, but maybe try adapting what your practices are while they do theirs without raising flags on either side, right? So if they're praying, if they're doing I have been at so many LDS conferences where the prophet talks for a solid 10 minutes in a prayer. Like, that is solid meditation time for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe try to do practices like that. Like, maybe, you know, while you're praying, praise, just get a mantra. Exactly what I said, a mantra. Say, you don't have to say names or do certain things. You can say oh, you can say a rune, you can say whatever, but like try to internalize yourself until you hear them all dismiss it. So basically, use their prayer to take you into a meditation, and use their amen 
which for those of you who don't know means I agree to pull you out of the meditation. So that could be something. I, I really didn't think about it until you said, you know, I forgot what you said about it, but you know, when they're when they're saying their prayer, like their time, you should have you time. Like it doesn't make you look any worse or better. Like you just keeping your head down, kind of internalizing your thoughts. Maybe just about your day, recap, try and get a warming sensation. No one likes to be around family. So maybe that's your time to decompress and repossess and say, okay. Another thing that you can do, if you, if you are totally opposed to the word amen, which I get, um, I would sometimes whisper hail, like under my breath. Because oftentimes in Christian prayer, in those households, in that, I, in the, in that environment, I know most, some people aren't Christian that are going to be listening to this, and I get that. Um, but during those meditative practices and those mantras that I would recite, sometimes when they would whisper amen or the lead person would say amen, I would whisper to myself, hail, instead of amen, which is, again, honoring that system. But it was, I used that time as me time, as, like White Wolf said, it was me time. It was my reflection period. It was my time to worship my gods. Unbeknownst to them, that there was a pagan in their little prayer circle, which is hilarious now that I look back at it, because I was, oh, goodness. Um, but yeah, that was one thing that I did. Um, what was the other thing? Somebody said something, and I was like, I got stories about that. About going to church. Yeah. That's what it was. Before, before that, before okay. that, uh, we got like family dinner. Um, just, you know, praise a bad word, but like worship the gods during your family prayer time. And, you know, as Sugar Ufar says, at the end of it, where everyone says, hey, amen, you say hail. Because you're keeping your practice, even if it is silently. Like, you're only saying it in your head. The energy's still going out there. You're like, hail the gods. All right, let's eat. Like, you're still worshiping the gods, and you're not paying the Christian God any worship that is not wanted. That makes any sense. Right. And, and yep. It, and that's just it. Like it, it's a hail, nothing else. I'm going to make a lot of enemies in the bro sausage community real quick by saying, don't be the asshole that says skull and nope. then goes and drinks. That is don't me. be that. <laughs> it is not. A that's the bro than you. You push that deep down where it belongs. If you, you get rid of it, you shit it out. It's don't do skull. Skull is fantastic. It's fun and great when you're in a community of see uh, saying where it takes place. But if you're like, amen, skull. Like you should not ever talk again. <laughs> Now, there is a place for that word, and it's been talked about repeatedly. You can find entire YouTube videos about the word skull, and maybe we'll talk about it one of these days. It is not a greeting. It is not a hello. It is not a farewell. It is a toast, essentially. So work that into your vocabulary again, because don't do it as like skull friend and you're not you're not even like drinking anything it's just like skull friend you're you're a good friend it's fuck off um anyways so church stuff uh i got dragged into church it was it was a thing for a while um now this is the biggest memory i have is about two years into it 
and they were going through the Book of Mormon and the Bible. It was Sunday school. Most people are familiar with Sunday school. Um, and we were going over stuff, and I brought up, oh, what was it? It was one of the big stories. Um, and I was like, so it's magic. And the guy was like, no, 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 they're not witches. And I was like, no, 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 I don't think you understand. And we got into this, like, hour and a half debate about what magic was and where. But that was at a later time when I had already been on my heathen path for a while, which we talked about how keep that practice going. Read when you can. Look up Google articles. I know I, we probably don't like Google articles, but it's somewhere to start. And I'm not telling you to hide it. Talk about what you find and just be like, yeah, this weird assignment in school and kind of cover it and get other opinions on it or reach out to a local community and be like, I was reading this thing. Nowadays, you can be like, there's this Facebook post about some Norse archaeological site, and I read the article, and it was super cool. What do you think about this? And talk about it and grow your practice that way, by all means. But Sunday school, we got into this hour and a half debate about what magic was and how it worked. And I, I took it, and I was like, so my Galder, and this is on my heathen path, and I still was forced to go to church. That's okay. My parents will say that they didn't force me to go to church, but it was subconscious. Um, you, you have to go, but you have the choice, but you have to go. Yeah. It was weird. I love my parents. Don't get me wrong. They're great. But it was one of those like subconscious messages that they kept pushing, whether they did it subconsciously or not. Passive aggressiveness. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Love to death. Don't blame them for it. It's fine. Um, but it's like, so it's Galder. My Galder is your priesthood. And the LDS man that was teaching the fast was like, I don't know what that word means. And I was like, oh, great. Okay, let me dumb this down for you. My magic with a K, and I specified with a K because I knew it was going to be like Harry Potter to him because I was raised in that generation. I was like, magic with a K is your priesthood. And he was like, no. And we just kept going, and it was great. And then I got pulled into the bishop's office, so the religious leader for our ward, our congregation, if you will. I talked to him for a while, and we had very, very constructive conversations. He was a religious study teacher at BYU, Brigham Young University, down in Provo, Utah. He was a teacher down there on religious studies. So me and him got into it. And we would go over things. And I found a way that I could use my knowledge and have an outlet for it within my church in a different way. And I would play, I'd often say, to play devil's advocate in situations where I wanted to bring up something that I knew and have that conversation so that I could gain a different understanding of it. I would say, to play devil's advocate, there's dragons in the Bible. Why don't we believe in magic? And it would throw everything for a loop. But those, those subtle things, so I would say channel your inner Odin and become a wordsmith. So that you can not twist conversations, but bring things up in a different way. Um, I did it with my parents all the time. I would say, well, what about fertility and this and that? And I was like, I read this thing online that was about Freya, the goddess of fertility in Norse paganism. I wanted to know more about it, and I wanted to understand how that fit into the 
holiday of Easter or, and they call it Ostara. And I was, I, I just want to understand these things. And my parents luckily were very open to having those conversations. Thanks mom. Um, but they were, they were open to that and I got to have those conversations. So maybe bringing it up in a different way and talking about what you learned, not to mention White Wolf's idea of finding someone in your local area or us at this point, shoot us those questions, email us a list of questions and we'll try and get back to you as fast as we can because you're not alone. And that's the biggest takeaway I want people to understand. You are not nearly alone as you feel. You are constantly surrounded by your ancestors, by people that you may not even look at and know that they're pagan and they're out there. You are not the only one. You never were. At this, in this day and age, you were never the only one in your local area. There's always another. Go to, if you have a car, if you're old enough, I don't know, I know we're on YouTube, so probably some 13-year-old watching this at some point. Um, sweet dude or girl, you're cool and I like you. Non, Non-binary... I don't know. Non-adjective creature that exists on this realm. Just kidding. You're, can we say person? Is that okay? I don't know. I don't know. You're associating that they identify as a person. I don't identify as a person, so that's fair. Um, yep. Facts. <laughs> Just say heathen. It encompasses everything. <laughs> the baby heathen that's watching this, if you don't have access to a car, take your bike. Um, see if you can find a local pagan shop on Google. See if you can find one of those stores and go in there and be like, hey, I have questions. I will bet you a million dollars that the person that owns that shop will be like, what's your question? I have a book for you, I promise. And hopefully, obviously, stranger danger. If shit gets weird, get the fuck out. Um... Do they even teach Stranger Danger anymore? I'm so lost with the fucking times now. I think, it yeah, should. they do. I think it's, my, uh, my school, but I think, uh, uh, they teach it nowadays in, like, elementary, like, three to five. Okay. I think it's more like passwords and safe words. I'm like, don't get in somewhere unless someone has this word. Your family's established beforehand. So, same concept. So, if they like, offer you free candy... Don't go in. Don't do it. Don't. If they say Reese's, then you get the fuck in that van. Reese's are dope. Wow. We just encouraged child kidnapping. No, no, no. We I didn't. Why will they? I encourage the consumption of Reese's. I expect to be sponsored, but... <laughs> I don't think that's a good uh, selling point. <laughs> I'd get in a van for that. Oh, fuck. <laughs> but, like... You know, straight. If you don't have a a shop nearby, there's YouTube out there. And if you're worried about your parents like being able to see your stuff, ignacito mode. That's a hard word. Incognito mode. Yeah, that word. That one. Incognito mode. It's rarely a safe search. But. You know, so it's like, hey, this is terrible advice for kids. If you're an adult, don't let them watch this shit. But, (laughs) but you know, there's Reddit. You know, there's r slash heathenry, r slash pagan, and you can like ask questions. It's it's a resource. Like if you don't have anything else, there's that. Don't go on Reddit. It's useless. (laughs) Don't don't do that. But you know, YouTube. Um. 
you know, YouTube? there's, yeah, I mean, there's obviously us. Wikipedia, us. Wikipedia. You can, as a baby heathen, you can go to Wikipedia and just take everything you read on Wikipedia with a grain of salt. See, I, I write Wikipedia pages. I know you write Wikipedia pages. You don't go to Wikipedia. I get drunk and bored and I make Wikipedia posts. Don't but do that. With like heathen, the Reddit heathenry, you know, it take everything with a grain of salt. And oh, um, I mean, even take what we're saying with a grain of salt. And that's that's the main thing is, yeah, we're Oswan Gotharb and other religious traditions. We're priests. Take what we say with a grain of salt. Tr- uh, mm-hmm. Trust, but verify. Try to prove us wrong when it comes yeah. to that and you're not alone you know Sigurd Uvar White Wolf had to do it I luckily didn't have to do it when I was growing up but our ancestors did back in Scandinavia when there was the conversion between paganism to Christianity uh, blacksmiths were known to sell Mjolnir's and crosses with the same uh little template that they have for smithing um and during that time christian vendors would only sell to other christians so norse pagans would don on their uh hide away their mjolnir but still keep it on but display a cross so they could sell stuff or buy stuff sell stuff you know make a living even though they weren't actively participating or an active worshiper they were still trying to survive, but in their, you know, in their household and, uh, you know, eyes away from everyone else, they're yeah, still I'm worshiping broken. their old gods. This, yeah. yeah. I think another important thing to bring up with this is it's often said that Norse paganism isn't a religion for the masses. And I think that's slowly changing. Um, we have a lot more outreach now. There's a lot more people that are outspoken about it. But don't expect everybody to agree with you. Mm-hmm. You can't. Christianity will be the dominant religion of this world for a long time to come. And that's okay. Your practice is your practice. However you choose to do it. If you choose to be that asshole that goes, fuck your prayer, cool. Be you. But expect repercussions for it. Don't expect that to go unnoticed. Expect people to clap back. And that's okay. Be prepared to defend yourself if you're going to be that way. If you're going to hide it, or not hide it, but keep it on the down low. uh Um, If you're going to do that side of it, that's okay. But have your own conviction. Have your own path. And that's fine. In reality... Your heathenism, your practice, it will always be your own. I know people to this day that don't outwardly say they're pagan in any way. I knew a druid in the military that I didn't know he was a druid until I got in a truck with him after I got a religious accommodation to wear the beard in the military. I didn't know he was a druid. And he was like, yeah, I've been part of a druidic circle my entire life. I was raised in it. And I was like, what the fuck? Since when? And he was like, the whole time. And I was like, why didn't we have this conversation? Right. Like, oh, let's talk. <laughs> yeah. I was like, dude, it's, let's, let's talk about this. And he was like, 
I've never felt comfortable telling anybody because we're still in a way persecuted for it. And I was like, I get that, but it's not me. Let's talk. And you'll find that everywhere. So whatever your path is, whatever your practice is, you have to accept that for what it is. But as an adult, reach out to a local community. If you don't like them, fuck them, leave. There's nothing that can happen with the, what are they going to do? You're mean. Fuck off. I don't care. I left. Because your practice didn't match mine, and that's fine. Accept that. See that for what it is, and accept it. Because do you. The gods see you no less than you were beforehand. They still see your practice just as validly as anybody else's. Do what you're going to do. I think we covered most of the bases. Again, if you guys ever have questions, any of the listeners, anybody out there that has those questions, reach out. Whether it's to us or to some other heathen, pagan group, whatever you gotta do. Reach out and start learning. But take everything you hear with that grain of salt. And that's what I was gonna say too, is and here's the big kicker is if if you don't agree, uh, move on to the next group. Don't fixate on what you think is wrong. Because what they tell you is what they think is right. So you may not be changing minds, but you can definitely change groups. So if you ask a question to a group and they say something that you don't believe in, understand that's their, that's their take. But if you don't agree, find another take. Like, find your own book. Write your own book. Fuck it. Like, if you are doing something that no one you know has done before, it statistically has been done but maybe hasn't been done before. So you might be pioneering a new research of heathenry. And down the line, if you find someone like mine, you're going to be best fucking friends and grow so exponentially based off your own individual growth, not the growth you got from the community. So don't be afraid to reach out to others. If you don't agree with somebody, you don't have to, and they don't have to agree with you. That's the whole point. And on that note... That's the conclusion of the podcast. Thank you for all staying by. And that's how we came out of the closet when we were coming out as pagans. And we hope we can help you in your path. Thank you. See you again next time. Bye-bye. Bye, motherfuckers. Wow.